Warning! This episode of The Secret Cinema contains discussions of disturbing and adult content. So, heads up! I understand that you were an intimate of Hemingway's. Intimate? That's some kind of homo thing? Take your finger out of your bunghole, Peregrine. Where's my drink? Where's the swizzle stick? Just stir it with that big swinging dick of yours. Aren't they wonderful? <laughs> uh, uh, Eugenie tells me that you won the gold medal in the biathlon. It was 1952, Norway. It snowed heavily Just the night before. give him his fucking drink, you old muff diver. Secret Cinema, the friendly podcast that exposes cinematic betrayal. I'm Paolo Carone, my co-host is Carrie Chafee, and today we're joined by two guests, Justin Benson and Sarah Benson, to discuss Peter Chelson's 2001 slapstick dramedy, Town and Country. I have a deluge of notes coming, but first I just want to notify our listeners that Carrie and I are finally moving at the end of the month, and that our move will put the podcast on an extended vacation. The Secret Cinema will return on April 27th with our 50th episode, and we hope to make it a special one, but at very least it'll be a good one, so don't forget about us! We recorded this episode at the Benson's house, and all of us were drinking, so the sound quality might be a little inconsistent. Additionally, Carrie and I barely did any research on this film, and that, combined with the aforementioned drinking, led to a larger number of blatant factual errors during our discussion. So, let me take a moment to issue some much-needed corrections that will make much more sense later. film, Warren Beatty and Buck Henry did work together. They co-directed the 1978 remake of Heaven Can Wait, for which both of them were nominated for an Oscar. Among other screenplays, Buck Henry adapted both Catch-22 and To Die For, and has a respectable acting career that includes roles in secret cinema favorites Eating Raoul and Shortcuts. After Buck Henry, the film's other credited screenwriter is Michael Laughlin. I'm largely unfamiliar with the films on Laughlin's IMDb page, as I imagine would be the case for most listeners, but his one claim to fame is his role as producer of the film Two-Lane Blacktop. Del Zamora, the actor who plays Alejandro, is Latino. His character is an offensively simplistic portrayal of someone who supposedly lived in the jungle, which led us to assuming he was a white actor, but ultimately that's the fault of the screenplay and our subconscious Anglo-centrism. Warren Beatty and Diane Keaton's daughter Alice is played by Trisha Vesey, who in 2001 managed to be in both Town and Country and Claire Denis' much better film Trouble Every Day. The name is Nastasha Kinski, not Natasha. I get this wrong quite a bit, so sorry in advance. And finally, Gary Shandling was in Iron Man 2, not Iron Man 3. 
Alright, I think that covers enough of the sloppiness, so here's Carrie with the plot summary. Porter, a rich architect, is cheating on his wife Ellie. Porter's best friend, Griffin, a rich antiques dealer, is cheating on his wife, Mona. The couples have been friends for over 25 years, and when the infidelities are revealed, chaos ensues. Can a quick trip from the town to the country solve their problems? Town and country is shockingly rudderless. With seemingly no overarching plot and non-existent characterization, the characters and situations are impossible to relate to, something made even worse by the characters' ridiculous wealth and privilege. Our only sample features Porter, played by Warren Beatty, and Ellie, played by Diane Keaton, having dinner with their children Tom, played by Josh Hartnett, and Alice, played by Trisha Vesey. Tom is sitting with his girlfriend Holly, played by Catherine Town, Alice is sitting with her boyfriend Omar, played by Mark Casabani, and you'll briefly hear the voices of the maid Yolanda, played by Terry Hoyos, and Alejandro, played by Del Zamora. This scene serves no narrative function, but it should give you a sense of the film's casual racism, as well as the overall poor quality of the jokes and screenwriting. And just to clarify further, Holly has a tongue stud. Here's that clip, and we'll see you on the other side for our discussion of town and country. Yolanda, um, could you just uh, heat that up for me a little? Mm. Thank you. Um, uh, Yolanda's new boyfriend, Alejandro. Uh, when did Alejandro move in? The day after you and Mama. He's a good guy, too. Yeah. And why is Alejandro not wearing a shirt? Honey. Well, that's what he's used to, living in the jungle and all. Honey. Living in the jungle? I'm just curious. Why would he be living uh, in the jungle? Porter. Oh, because that's where his group lived. His, his group? group? I don't understand. Is that botanists or something? No, his political group, Mom. Oh, compañeros de la muerte. The companions of death? That's colorful. Yeah, they hmm? plan to overthrow their government and establish a regime of democratic ideals and crop sharing. Oh, and no better place to start than right here on Fifth Avenue. Central Park has always needed a good crop sharing program. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really fucking funny. <laughs> Dad, did you see uh, Holly's stud? Holly's stud? Show him, Holly. Isn't that great? Let me see. You ever worry about swallowing it? Yeah, actually, I did twice, but I got it back. How, how did, uh... <gasps> you know, it's been a long day. I'm just going to pack it in. Uh, me too. Hi, no, no, no. Omar has something he wants to say to you. Really? You do? That's wonderful. Huh? Yeah. Ms. Mr. Stab. Stad. Stad. Stoddard. Honey. Stab. Art. That's good. Welcome. Welgum Yeah. Hon. Hon, okay. Welgum Hon. Hon. Hon, I home. Welcome home. <laughs> That's so nice okay. of you. Very good. Very good on you. Did good. Very well said. Secret Cinema. Secret Cinema. Secret Cinema. Secret Cinema. Hey guys, we are back and we have two guests, one of our rare two guest episodes. One is a recurring guest. Recurring guest, could you reintroduce yourself? Hello, I'm Justin Benson. Justin's back, uh, star of the Blood Diner episode. Oh, snap. And, but with Justin, we have a brand new guest. It's my brand, wife. Brand new guest. <laughs> could you introduce yourself? Hi. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm Sarah Benson. Hi, me, Sarah. Me, me and hey, Carrie go Sarah. way back. Yeah, way, way back. Like, 2001. I get the feeling it might be it might be some trouble. <laughs> some trouble brewing. Uh, we, we all got very riled up by tonight's movie. Uh, a 2001 film by the name of Town and Country from the director Peter Chelsom, uh, who will be forgotten by history for reasons that we'll get into. So, uh, I don't know. It might be serendipitous. Oh, but uh, I was the only one who had seen this movie before. Uh, everyone else is his first time viewing, so Sarah, what did you think of this movie? Uh, first off, why is it called Town and Country? Mm, an interesting <laughs> question. What? Okay, so what would you have you called it otherwise? Oof. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta prepare some notes for that <laughs> yeah. question. Let's do on that for a little bit. Yeah. I don't know what I would have called it. Hot the, fucking mess. The graduate. Too. I, I mean, the graduate too. <laughs> I wrote. I wrote the note. Everybody's fucking at some point, and that still seems pretty accurate. But uh, I am a dumb husband. That all, could work. We're all dumb people living in a dumb world. What was it? Life has lots of imperfections. Yes. <laughs> Pussy craze slobs. Yes. Also, but. So or with the Sarah, Hemingway references, it just could be called Old Man in the Sea. A farewell. <laughs> oh, but see, it's with just the letter. Yeah. A farewell. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Very good. All right. That seems like a really weird But Okay, title. Sarah, would you say this is a good or bad movie? Oh, it's bad, bad. It's yeah. not even bad, good. Ah. It has funny moments that are funny, but it also has moments that are aggressively funny for being horrible. Yes. I mean, there's not enough bad funny things. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's some physical comedy with a lady in a wheelchair <laughs> gone We'll road. get into that. We'll get into we'll that. Get into. I thought there was going to be more But there wasn't stick. enough of that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really thought there was going to be more slapstick. I thought this was going to be like fart jokes and like people well, falling. it definitely ricocheted between serious movie with Ernest Hemingway references to Mel Brooks' film yeah. with slapstick comedy where, like, the camera running through a window would have seemed appropriate. Yeah. So it, it was <laughs> well, very and, mixed. And also, multiple people fell off of things. Like, Gary Shandling's character fell off a bunk bed. Costumes. Yeah. Also, ridiculous costumes. Ridiculous costumes. Beige, which was appropriate for Warren 2000. Beatty fell off the roof. But I just, that, yeah. I just thought it would be more slapsticky. Well, so this movie is, like, really weirdly trying to be slapstick, like, like American Pie. Like, we're, we're talking about, like, crass things and bringing up cornhole and stuff like that. <laughs> but it's also entirely centered around possibly the richest, most privileged characters that have ever appeared in this sort of movie. Like, every single character has, like, a butler and their own business, and there's multiple scenes where they're on private jets, or just, like, uh, characters will be in, like, another multiple country houses. for, like, a single scene just because they are so rich, <laughs> and it's... Oh, I forgot they went to Paris! Yeah. For so, a minute. For a hot minute. <laughs> for well, a hot and, minute. And that goes back or goes into like this idea of how expensive this movie was yes. because I don't think you spend more than maybe five minutes at any one point in time in a single location. So I'm mostly doing this from memory. I forgot to look it up, but how much do you guys think this movie cost? Man, in 2001 dollars. Oh, uh, I think I know the answer. Well, I'm going to say so 120 million. Sarah, what do you think? Oof. 
I don't know. Okay, well, <laughs> it was, you were cool. You were, you, were, you were a little high. It was $90 million for this movie. Where did they spend all that money? <laughs> I think on I that know. Ferris wheel. I think, <laughs> I think they spent it on hiring planes from which to film other planes. And actually, from. it went into uh, Diane Keaton's pantsuit budget. Yeah, that too. But oh, this, this movie, obviously, it did not make $90 million back. <laughs> but this I, movie was a huge flop. A, I read it's like the second biggest flop in history, and the first is The Adventures of Pluto Nash. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it really bombed. Yeah. It was like, it actually, all the planes in the movie, if they had just crashed and then... Insert uh, 9-11 joke yeah. here, I guess. <laughs> all right. Oh, I was going to throw and avoid <laughs> that it's, topic. It's <laughs> like, the World Trade Center is visible so early on in this movie. Yeah. towers. Two towers. Yeah. And... I mean, this is a pretty dark place to take this episode very early, but considering how racist this movie is, it's like the, the, the World Trade Center thing with all the, the the racism and like all the planes. It's like this movie is so pointedly a pre-9-11 movie also, in so many ways. they could never pinpoint the nationality of the daughter's oh boyfriend. They spent the There's... entire time, that was like a plot point, was spending the entire time guessing. Is he Turkish? Is he Arabic? Is he Armenian? They they threw out a lot of options yeah. and never really cleared that up. All right, so let's let's kind of start with where the movie starts. By the way, we have a special guest dog in the room, so that's how the case that goes up. She's just so, yanking on a bone over there. So this movie this movie literally starts in like a post coital scene with Warren Beatty and uh, this woman who's not his wife, played by Natasha Kinsky. So he makes sure to let us know. Is not, yeah, in narration. But Carrie, would you uh, be willing to elaborate on? Natasha Kinski's tattoo. <laughs> in this. Well, uh, recurring guest Emily Neal has the same tattoo. And that tattoo? Hey, Emily! <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is the F-holes on a cello, but it's actually... F-holes. <laughs> is that really what they're called? What they're called? Oh, Lord. They're, they're, they're Man, the I gotta F's. confirm that. I'm gonna... <laughs> yeah. And actually, that tattoo is inspired by a photo that is from, is it Man Ray? Did Man Ray do that photo? Sounds right. It's a surrealist. It's a sure. surrealist photo. But anyway, in the surrealist photo, it's not a real tattoo. But since then, people have taken that photo and used it as inspiration for a tattoo. So anyway, this cellist actually has that tattoo on her body. And you see it because she's butt naked. Playing the cello. Playing the cello. Playing that cello. As Warren Beatty is like in the bed contemplating his marriage. Well, he's narrating. Uh, <laughs> oh, right. He's not contemplating. Yeah. He's narrating. He's Are we sure Emily got the tattoo because of that? Or is she just secretly a fan of this movie? <laughs> oh, man. Whoa. <laughs> Emily, you are... Emily, comment. <laughs> Apples. Yeah. All okay. right, Justin confirmed it. Totally. And, ooh, girl gets butthole tattoo. Yikes. <laughs> F-hole again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, that was the second choice. The girl gets cornhole tattooed. I done fucked it up. <laughs> okay, so... So it opens. It opens with Warren Beatty's like, "Hey everybody, I uh, this isn't my wife. I don't know why I did my this. Wife. My wife. My wife. <laughs> but um, so wow. okay. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> we all, all right. said it. It's okay. So, <laughs> 
so they, they they basically the next scene is Warren Beatty and his wife Diane Keaton and their best friends uh, what's her name Goldie, Goldie Hawn and Gary Shandling and they it says on screen Paris Paris three days later and they have a meal and we kind of don't really hear what they're talking cut to a plane no, flying no, no, back they give they're a celebrating toast. their 25th wedding yeah they give a oh. toast like to the most perfect marriage. 25 years to another 25 years. By the way, what do I know Gary Shandling from? The Gary Shandling show? Was it Iron Man 3? No. I I don't know. He's in in Iron Man 3. Well, he's dead now. Yeah, he's dead now. Considering you say R.I.P. every time we say his name, I put that together. Oh, I did know he died. Yeah. There's gotta be some 90s movies. He was in What Planet Are You From? Where he plays an alien who has like a penis that vibrates whenever he's attracted to women. That sounds about right. Yep. We really... It's weird weird with this cast because it's a cast that you're familiar with but also feel really distant from. Yeah. It's like a cast, but it's like, it's because all of them just play themselves, yeah. more or less. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and, Goldie like, Hawn is the same character as she was in First Wives Club. We and made her this... butt looks exactly the same, which, way to go, Goldie <laughs> Which is Hawn. really good. She, yeah. she look looks good. so good. She's doing Kurt a lot Russell, of those. Russell, you nailed it. Those Literally. <laughs> several times. <laughs> But we'd make this comment, like, Warren Beatty's lines in it seem like he's just responding in conversation to someone else's scripted lines. Like, he doesn't actually have any lines, he's just making it up as he goes. Yeah, it's He seems- kind of reminded me of Jenna from Awkward, where he's just making facial expressions yeah. as he narrates. <laughs> well, he, he is kind of the Greek chorus in it, because he is all of us while we're watching. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we're supposed to sympathize with him, because he's the main character, and, like, he has the full circled storyline. But he's also but a he's- rich guy who's fucking, like, ever Every woman and in this movie no wants remorse. to fuck him. He shows no remorse. He's kind of like, oh, fuck the cellist. But anyway, let's get let's, <laughs> let's get a little bit further yeah. in the plot. So after this whole Paris thing, where they're like, we're friends, everything's great. They we're come back. Friends. They come back to New York, <laughs> and they uh, show up. They, we return to Warren Beatty and Diane Keaton's apartment. By the way, Warren Beatty's character is Porter, and Diane Keaton's character is Ellie. And they come home, and they have this enormous it's like a penthouse wow sort of, i like, never learned diane keaton i was gonna say the name. same thing did they mention it wow. they did i it's i always try to write these names down because the, the movies like this it's so hard to because keep up because i think warren Beatty's lines were always you did this and yeah you did that. he never referred i knew to her but name. i knew warren Beatty's character's name but i never heard well people always say porter but People almost never say Ellie. Diane Keaton's character is kind of like a throwaway character in this movie. Diane Keaton. She's the only person. She could have been named Diane Keaton. Yeah, she's the only person who doesn't cheat on anybody. She's herself, yeah. She is also the same character in First Wives Club. But anyway, so. Her husband cheats on her. But at, okay, so at Porter and Ellie's apartment, we they come home and their kids are there, and one is Joshua Hartnett. And then, who was the daughter? Some girl. She definitely's from other stuff, but I we didn't look her up. Uh, no, there were two names. No, no, the other was Josh Joshua's girlfriend, uh, tongue ring girl, because they had that conversation. They had the sex scene later. No, but, but there's two boyfriends. No, okay, no, yes, okay. No, here's what the here's the deal, and here's we're gonna get into this because we also have to get into the racism. Okay, so Joshua Hartnett is dating a girl. 
Uh, who had a tongue ring? And, be, and how they and mentioned them in the credits. This she he only has a girlfriend because, like they said, at some point Joshua Hartnett's going to have sex and Warren Beatty's going to listen to it. But primarily because the girlfriend shows everyone the tongue ring in a like very sexual way, like. <laughs> but and she's like, oh, I've swallowed it before, but I recovered it, and they kind of are like, oh, she like dug it out of her shit. Like that's the implication. And like, put, oh, and put it back in her mouth. But again, like this character is only in this movie for those two jokes. And then Holly, the other daughter, Holly, the other daughter is dating a man named Omar. And Omar is from a country where phonetic pronunciation does not exist. It is like absolutely not a thing. He's learning English. Okay. Give him a break. (laughs) He's new. Welcome home. No, he says, he says, welcome hun. Uh, Because Holly's like, Omar, Omar, show him the thing that you learned. And it's like, how, what? Okay. How foreign could you have to be from Mars to not be able to repeat words said to you. There also, are, I, she directs him in English, but he can't say welcome home in he English. He can't yeah. repeat the word. He can't repeat phonetically. But okay, and then on top of all of this, they have a maid, Yolanda. Porter and Ellie have a maid named Yolanda. Yolanda. And Yolanda's boyfriend okay. inexplicably lives with them also. Alejandro. And Alejandro's first introduced, not with the context that he is Yolanda. his dating Yolanda, Yolanda. but that uh, he is he's shirtless and overweight and has this like long curly. He looks like there's a character <laughs> yeah, on who's Metalocalypse. That one guy? Yeah, the bass player on Metalocalypse. Yeah. without the mustache. He, without the yeah. mustache. Shirtless, Jack Black, like, yeah, lispy voice, and he just like he's like helping Yolanda out, and he's and they're like, what? What is his deal? What's going on? And they're like, oh, it's Yolanda's boyfriend. He lived in the jungle, and so he's just comfortable being shirtless, which is like, wait, okay, they whatever. literally they come back from Paris. He brings the bags in, and he's like, and and they're like. Who is this man bringing me my bags in my apartment? Yeah, good point. There is no better definition of white privilege than that. <laughs> oh, this Mexican man bringing me my bags. <laughs> we should also point out that the guy who plays Alejandro, Yolanda's boyfriend, we didn't look him up, but he He's might white. be white. He's I think probably he's white. like white. Like, like it, uh, it's hard to tell because he could be Colombian if that's where he's. Supposed yeah, to but be. he's like, if he is actually a Latino actor, he's like playing up like yeah. stereotypical he's Latinoness. The yeah, the stereotypical. Like they mention at one point in time, he's drinking tequila with the worm in, and it. he says "senior worm." Yeah, yeah. like if you're gonna say "senior," why not say "worm" in gets, Spanish? Also, <laughs> God, it's real happy well, you when he says. I don't know, um, but I'm also. I, I want to mention, too, that Holly says something about how uh, Alejandro was in a group called the Compañeros de la Muerte. <laughs> the Companions of Death. Ooh. And they're just like, oh, and it's kind of, like, blown off, but it's like, again, like, this is, like, the way in which the white characters in this movie talk about any ethnicity. It's That's like... a killer gang name. Yeah, Compañeros de la Muerte is pretty great, but it's also like, wanna... oh, you know, those South American people and their death gangs. <laughs> I want a bomber jacket that says that embroidered in the back. With a, like with a, a scorpion yeah. in the back? Yeah, no, like no, a snake. No, I'd be a skull face. I was going to say, like a snake. <laughs> <laughs> That's a drive joke for all of you, this thing. <laughs> all right, so 
I, I mentioned this before. I, well, I mentioned this during the movie, and I know I'm telling you, listener, but this movie has a bunch of weird crossover with Three to Tango, and one of those weird crossover things is that we have a lead who is an architect, because an architect is the type of job where you have a shitload of money, but most people watching the movie have no fucking clue what an architect does day to day, so you can just be like, oh yeah, he has a ton of money, and he just, He's he just, an fuck, architect. He just fucks people all day. doesn't work. Yeah, he, he works one time and then spends the rest of the can time I, just like sleeping with women. Yeah. Can I just nitpick for a second? Yes. Okay. So when they go to their architectural firm, when they show the one shot where he's actually at work, there's all these cabinets and they have these paper sculptures of like I'm assuming it's the foam core models. Yeah. Of whatever foam yeah. core models of the designs <clears throat> that he's done. What a waste of space. You could store so much stuff on top of those cabinets, but instead it's like a display case. They're architects okay. for their too. accomplishments. Could the architects design a nicer place to store their trophies? Yes. Additionally, there is literally no value to this scene whatsoever. Good point. Also, yeah. <laughs> it never comes up that he's like there's a conflict involving him needing to design a building or anything. Yeah, what like do they this. even say during that? I don't like, remember. They could have replaced yeah. it with a line. They, they argue about some kind of concept in and then that's it. I, I think yeah. we were talking during it because it looked like a stock photo of it, people yeah. designing things. A stock photo, but with Warren Beatty. With Warren Beatty in it for some <laughs> reason. But he did the stock photo pose where he puts, for some reason, his well, leg on the table. And he's wearing <laughs> khakis. Yep. So. Yeah. So, but after, so after this, and we should mention too, this movie just for probably like the first half an hour, it's just scene after scene after scene. Like, it doesn't seem to connect. We, I, I kept challenging everybody to say what the fuck the plot was of the movie because it's just scene after scene and so what kind of follows after this is it cuts to Gary Shandling's character and he's driving on the highway and there is like a person with curly red hair driving at like a convertible waving, waving but it's not shot in a way where he like like they make eye contact and then he's and they wave it's like this car is ahead of him and is like reaching its hand the person is reaching a hand up waving honestly Paolo I think you and I have been watching way too many YouTube road rage videos because I thought they were going to get in a fight like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we have been watching a lot of road rage videos could be the way that propositioning occurred in the year 2000 <laughs> uh, I think you'd have to at least make like eye contact <laughs> to do it but Text somehow messaging was around somehow me. Gary Shandling Gary Shandling and this uh, redhead fly each other down. They pull into a hotel parking lot and it is suddenly raining. It was like sunny, beautiful day and it's yeah, now raining. Weather is its own character in this uh, movie. They, uh, he, Gary Shandling and the redhead go into a hotel room. Like They don't even rent a room. They just get out their cars and walk right <laughs> up the stairs into at a hotel room. The, at the Blanche Flower. Blanche Flower Hotel. I bed and breakfast or something. But somehow Goldie Hawn, right before this, has received a phone call. We never find out who tips a her friend. off. A, a friend. A friend. A friend. Uh, but, True friend. But she somehow follows Gary Shandling. We never see him, her following him driving, but all of a sudden she's there at the hotel and she sees him go up the stairs holding his coat over this redhead and they get right up to the door of their hotel room and the redhead starts to like disrobe fully on like in with the, the windows with, open. With, like, and, well, not even the windows, they're on the balcony before even going into the hotel oh. room because it's like, oh, he's with that woman, but maybe Goldie Hawn won't think he's cheating unless we see the redhead's back and so she the redhead 
halfway disrobes and Goldie Hunt's like, oh, he's cheating on me. Cut to Gary Shandling and the redhead are in the hotel room and the redhead is a drag queen. Uh, he takes off his bra and he is a man. He has with, chest hair. Yeah. A chest merkin. And Gary yeah. Shandling is like popping a bottle of champagne to symbolize the orgasm he is about to have. <laughs> and remember that scene. Yes. <laughs> Do you think that, that Goldie Hawn's friend called her on like a car phone from her convertible? There the was highway? a car phone in the movie <gasps> with the with the wire going into the, maybe that was the airplane. But airplane. I don't remember any cell phones. Yeah. No, they, there were no well, cell phones. This whole idea of a friend calling them, that it happens again later on. Yeah, you're right. And, but, and <laughs> to Diane Keaton? To Diane Keaton. Oh, yeah. With a true friend calling wow, me. Wow, what a plot contrivance. And so I, I kind of thought it was going to be them like going against each other for some reason. So it was going to oh, come yeah. out to be like, oh, Diane Keaton called on Gary Shandling or, yeah. or whatever. And no, they just never address it. <laughs> but they use the same... And they don't even hang out. They don't even have other friends in this movie. No. There's Only literally one friend. There's literally no one else to hang out with. And Ugh. they're their oldest friends. Because they make that abruptly clear they multiple times. They state it multiple times, yeah. Times, yeah. At yeah. one point, later on, jumping ahead a little you bit... You guys are Warren, my oldest friends. Warren yes. Beatty, at some point, points out... Like, they find a photograph where he and Goldie Hawn are in the photograph together, and he's 17 and Goldie Hawn is 12. 12. So it's like, that's how long of they've known each other. But, so... Goldie Hawn, who Goldie Hawn's character's name is Mona, and Gary Shandling's Again, character is Griffin. But uh, Goldie Hawn tells Warren Beatty that she she knows that Gary Shandling is cheating on her, and well, so and she tells her by she tells him by driving a golf cart into him. Yeah, like he's he's about to like tee off, and she like pulls the golf cart right onto his. Again, ball. this sort of weird slapsticky thing that is happening. Yeah, yeah, because it's Goldie Hawn. But, it's but I didn't funny. know her to be slapsticky. I mean, she's oh, like a yeah. space ball. Have yeah. Have you ever seen Private Benjamin? Yeah. Oh, man. You would love it. <laughs> the only other Goldie Hawn movie I think I've ever seen is the one with Overboard? her and Kurt Russell. Overboard? Yeah. Yeah. Where she loses her memory and he pretended... Or no, is that pirate something else? Is that no, that's movie? Overboard, yeah. Overboard? <laughs> yeah. Is he a pirate in that movie? <laughs> they're remaking Overboard. Isn't the remake of Overboard coming out this year? Yeah, with Anna Ferris. Yeah. Weird. Makes mm-hmm. sense. But so Warren Beatty knows and he confronts Gary Shandling about it. And we all kind of noticed this, but inexplicably this confrontation scene happens where like the two of them are separate, kind of just standing on a piece of grass in the yard at night. And then behind them is this lavish party. There's a mansion, a giant lit up Ferris wheel, tents, extras, we don't spend They're any in, like, time at this park. Sparkly tuxedo jacket. Yeah, yeah, there's not a lot of context. It's just kind of assumed. There that they had are to white be a rich. scene that yeah. they cut out. There was a lot of stuff like that where it's like either they cut a, a scene or they just literally wasted as much money as possible. I don't remember a lot of what the world was like before 9 11, so maybe this was acceptable at that point <laughs> in time. It was assumed that. This is that because your birthday's 9 11? Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Changed. Couldn't go to GameStop. 13 years old. <laughs> GameStop's GameStop's closed for 9-11. It wasn't GameStop. It was GameStop is a video game store. In memory of September 11th, all GameStop games are $9.11. GameWorks. It was GameWorks. It couldn't go to to GameWorks at at Great Lakes Crossing because (laughs) it was 9-11. You you remember the gift gift I got on that day? I got a Walkman on that day. Uh, 
Yeah, so Score. I could listen to my sad music. My <laughs> not going to- we interrupt this Dave Matthews CD to tell you. <laughs> I actually think it was probably a smash well, mouth. No a way. There's, there's no fucking way you listen to Dave yeah, Matthews. No. No, I didn't no, it was guaranteed no. smash mouth. Insert crash into me. Yeah, <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, so there is one shot of the Twin Towers yeah. in here. We have milked that one shot of the Twin Towers with so many 9-11 jokes. Alright, so Warren Beatty comes home after this, and this is a scene where he, he like comes home and Diane Keaton is like asleep watching Charlie Rose, which again, uh, I mentioned before, Charlie Rose being in this movie about white men getting away with like being super shitty makes a lot of sense (laughs) but he like goes to turn off the tv and diane keaton's like no i'm actually awake and she suddenly has like a bowl of nuts that she's eating (laughs) in bed no and uh Give me so, a sandwich. So he, he like he he yeah. leaves because she's like he's like this is weird. I don't want to deal with you. And he goes. They, he's, they talk about her being asleep for a yeah. good two minutes. Yeah, <laughs> one of the longer scenes at that point. And uh, so he goes. He leaves the bedroom, and there's like this like sequence where he like he walks in the hallway and you hear like loud sex noises. It's obviously his kids. Who else could it be? But he goes up. To, wait, like, wait, wait. Not his kids. Oh, sorry, together. sorry. Let's rephrase this. <laughs> Josh's son and his son's girlfriend, and then his his uh, daughter and Omar. So, but like, so first he goes up and, to but his son and, and listens, no. and he's like, "Oh, that's sex." And then he hears his daughter, and he's like, "Oh, that's sex." And then he goes and, in the kitchen. Well, but also Yolanda. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. And Alejandro were having we're and doing it. So, so he, uh, so Warren Beatty is listening to. Like this house, Everyone, house full of fucking house of sex, and he grabs a symphony of a symphony of uh, moaning, sex, yes. perfect. And he grabs some crispix out because hopefully the crunch of the crispix will. No, 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 it was rice krispies. Oh, it was well, rice krispies. You just made a crispix yeah. joke, but there was crispix in yeah, there. There was crispix. Okay, but he grabs it, and then Omar comes into the kitchen, and Omar is wearing this like purple robe and he his invite, daughter's robe. his daughter's robe, <laughs> and, and he invites uh, Warren Baby invites Omar to sit with him, and he has the. The Rice Krispies. <gasps> what and does wh- Omar get from the fridge? I don't. He, oh, butter? he grabbed no. He grabs some sort of uh, ethnic food and <laughs> pita bread and pita bread. <laughs> and he's like, he offers to Warren Beatty. He's like, do you want some? And I, I honestly don't remember what he said. But Warren Beatty, I didn't recognize like, it. He like racists it up a little bit by being like, oh no, I never eat after midnight or whatever. That's exactly what it was. Pretty much what he says. And then, and then Omar's like, oh, you like crispy and snag crackle poop. Like something like that, where he's like, just his English is so fucked up. Like again, well, but so he he can obviously understand the letters well enough to look at it and and try and phonetically assemble it together. Yeah, but to a point where it's clearly comical. Snag crinkle poop is not what you would get from snap. He doesn't need to know box. English well, to like okay. bone his I will, daughter. I will, say, I will point this out because I had this written down. His his. His insanely bad English is consistent enough that welcome becomes well goom and pop becomes poop. So one O equals two O's in whatever country he's in. So they have That's like a some analysis, Paolo. I'm, I'm pretty proud of that analysis <laughs> yeah. that you did. Yeah. I, did not, I did not plan that. Well, if we learned anything from film school is that everything's intentional. Yes, this, <laughs> this is a great auteurist work. Yeah. <laughs> Written by the man who wrote the Yeah, grit. we didn't even address that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
Yeah, so we- this movie... <laughs> Is written by Buck Henry, uh, who I more fondly know as Dick Lemon from 30 Rock, but who is the writer of The Graduate. And I'm pretty sure Warren Beatty did audition for Dustin Hoffman's role in The Graduate. And it seemed like, to part of me, I was like, was this some sort of weird fucking thing? He's always wanted to work with him. He's like, I want to do my version of The Graduate, but for super old people instead of, like, young people. And uh, I I guess they they did it. I didn't look up what the other... There was another writer on this. I didn't look him up, so maybe he wrote some, like, absolute dog shit and just (laughs) tanked this project. We also don't know if there were any films that this writer wrote in between the graduate. Yeah, I forgot to look. I really should have (laughs) looked. Buck Henry, I mean, Buck Henry was nominated for an Oscar for the graduate screenplay. He really should have done better than this. And he appeared, he showed his face on screen in this movie. So he was, he was proud of the screenplay. But okay. So he got paid really well. They said he bought a house with the money he made from this movie. Okay, well, he, yeah, it was $90 million. It's like that Michael Caine quote. <laughs> oh, yes. oh, let me do the quote. Um, they, Michael Caine, he made he made uh, Hannah and her sisters, and well, he didn't make it. He was in it, and he won mm-hmm. an Oscar for it, and he did not show up to the Oscars to accept the Oscar because he was busy filming Jaws the Revenge. And someone later asked him, did you ever see Jaws the Revenge? And he said, I did not see Jaws the Revenge, but I saw the house it bought, and I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Something along those lines. (laughs) Yeah, you you do have to remember sometimes when watching movies like this that there is a second motive, aside from art, (laughs) when the film is made. The cash grab. The the old cash grab. (laughs) Which is clearly why everyone was in this movie. Oh my god, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so... But I will say this: Diane Keaton has done nothing but these movies since, yeah, this like nineteen ninety. No, since nineteen sixty eight. Like I was going to say after Annie Hall, this she's is, been the same character. This is so close. This is like a really crass, shitty Woody Allen movie. Like well, Woody, yeah, yeah. yeah, we dressed at the beginning. Where yeah. is Woody Allen in this film? Yeah, it's New York. It's uh, infidelity between upper class white people. It's there's it's, narration. Yeah, there's narration. <laughs> Goofy it's, women. It's some, it's like someone watched like Husbands and Wives by Woody Allen and was like, what if somebody was a pussy crazed slob in this movie? <laughs> what if there's some muff divers in this? Like, it's like I don't. Yeah, you you guys mentioned this. We some could not. Holders. We could not figure out who the audience for this movie was. <laughs> it was so baffling. Yeah. But. Okay, so Gary Shandling and Goldie Hawn are going to get a divorce, and their divorce. Goldie Hawn's divorce attorney is Buck Henry. They always do this where it's Buck Henry is the only attorney dealing with the divorce for these couples. Well, they've been friends forever, so likely they share all attorneys. Yeah, but both the but both no, didn't they refer to him as like the shark shark or the like mad dog or something like that? But they're having this the shark Henry. They're having this whole uh, conversation about how like who's going to get what in the divorce. And it somehow comes up that there's like, that Goldie Hawn has this like mansion in Mississippi. Oh, 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 hi. There's a dog. So, uh, Goldie Hawn's like, I'm going to go down to that house and fix it up and sell it or whatever. And Diane Keaton, who doesn't, uh, who, I, I don't know why she does this, but she's like, Oh, you're such a good friend to Mona. Honey, you should go down to Mississippi with her and help her. You guys are each other's oldest friends. Yeah. I think she says that. She needs you. She needs you to take care of her. So it ends up putting both of them on another plane down <gasps> in Mississippi. And during this plane ride, uh, we are introduced to Andy McDowell's character, Eugenie. And wow, she had a name? She had a name. And wow. Did you look that up? Or no, you... I, I heard it. I caught wow. it in the movie. Wow. But so, I mean... 
So Good Goldie job, Goldie Hawn steps away, and so uh, Eugenie is like looking at the in-flight magazine, and Warren Beatty is on the cover of the Warren in-flight Beatty. magazine. It's like His Architects wife. Digest, yeah. or something like that. Shit. You know, classic plane reading. And uh, I love reading those magazines on the plane. <laughs> I can never read those magazines; it's so fucking boring. <laughs> but so she's Eugenie's looking at it, and it's like, see, this guy next to me is in a magazine, and she's she's like introduced. The best line in a fucking yeah. movie. What's the line, Sarah? <laughs> I love to fuck architects is that yeah, what he yeah. says? how did you know says, i love to fuck architects <laughs> and he's even responds i saw you on a magazine in that moment he even responds like are you making fun of me it's like so weird it's, it's really- one so it's it's one of his multiple faces that mimicked my face while watching this yeah. movie which is they're having this like conversation a- while goldion is going to the bathroom yeah. in the airplane <laughs> like literally she wants to fuck him it's not even 10 seconds after meeting him. It's like, he's rich. He's on this magazine. And, and she remembers him for months. Yeah. yeah. Which we will get <laughs> to. Which we will get to. <laughs> and interesting extra number one doesn't bat an eye. And sitting in the background. <laughs> yes. <laughs> one of one of a couple, there weren't too many gratuitous extras, but there were a few scenes where it was like, they put the weirdest person they could just on the periphery of a shot. Well, that actually, and there's a bit of a side note, but we saw Black Panther last night, and there's one scene where there is a ridiculous extra <laughs> who was just like miming doing stuff in a very serious scene. It's in, like, I don't know. It's, anyways, it's in Keep that. an eye out for it. Yeah, keep an eye like out it. for it when you're watching. <laughs> that because you should go see that movie it's fantastic oh my god this episode's gonna come out like a month from now so no one's gonna know what we're talking about <laughs> okay so uh warren Beatty and goldie hahn get to the mansion in mississippi jesus christ we're so we're so early in the movie holy <laughs> shit so okay so we're gonna so have to have... recap our locations yeah. you gotta re- press fast forward pretty soon i'm gonna i'm gonna have fun editing this one uh so <laughs> They show up, they of course have a black driver who has no lines and is in like full uh, stereotypical... He has one line. What's his line? And it's just she like... She says, what plant is this? And he goes, it's this plant. It's yeah. kudzu. Yeah, kudzu, kudzu, whatever. It's poison ivy. That's the joke we made. <laughs> and Goldie Hawn's like, I'm gonna live here. I'm gonna stay in this house. And cut yeah. to... Uh, her and Warren Beatty are at some sort of weird bar in Mississippi. Wait, she said, I'm going to live here because I'm with my people. Oh, with yeah. my That's people. That's what she yeah. says. <laughs> and we're like, Goldie ah. Hawn in Mississippi they, so they, with her people. But they go to a bar after and she's like trying to flirt with some younger guy. And then end of scene? I don't really think there's no he point. Doesn't, well, she there's doesn't take lot, him home. I don't no. understand that. Warren Beatty is kind of half flirting with her. <laughs> with, a with a toothpick, you know. Yeah. And, like, she's dancing with this guy, and he's kind of doing, like, the tooth flip, toothpick yeah, like, flips. My Ooh. toothpick is getting erect in my yeah. mouth, and sort of thing, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then it cuts back to they're back at the mansion at night, and they're going upstairs, and she's clearly, like, being a little flirty, but he, he decides to, like, not do anything about it. He goes back to his bed, and... He's laying in bed, and there is, like, clearly, like, a bat or something in his room. And I really... I hadn't seen this movie in a while, so I really thought it was going to be, like, a black sheep scene. Yeah. <laughs> like, her and, her and Goldie <laughs> Hawn were going to try to cap- capture the bat with, like, a blanket or something. But in- <laughs> instead, uh, Goldie Hawn comes in and is like, hey, look at this picture I found, and then climbs, like, directly onto him in the bed. So if she found the picture of them young... Is, is that, that how she grew like, up that in? she grew up in that house or something like that? Yeah, I guess that was the idea of This Is My People, is that she's from Mississippi, she's from Mississippi. and then Mary, but she was Yet maintained no indication that she would ever be from Mississippi. not even an accent or yeah. anything. Yeah. They find also, it- it's 
Goldie Hawn is only five years younger than Warren Beatty. She looks fucking great she looks for fantastic. being five she years so younger. Well, Warren Beatty also looks great because, in in all Mind retrospect, those this khakis. is. Okay. Now he's had so much plastic <laughs> surgery on his face. Like, the Botox wore, wore off during but I mean, the like, movie. You made the comment at the beginning that he looks very young compared to what he looks like now. And it's you like, know when he looks great? Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and that was what? Good. Filmed in the 60s? Yeah. <laughs> That's when he 40 years ago? Yeah, he looked great That's 40 years ago. Because I don't know how old he's supposed to be. Because Diane Keaton never really ages. She's kind of always like this perennial, like, 40 to She's 50 got the wire rim glasses. Yeah. yeah. And so you don't know exactly. Yeah. Anyways. So uh, Warren Beatty and Golihan fuck, and it's like a kind of weird. Like they try body to body double. They scene. do it like it's clearly a body double, but also they film it like through like a steamed window, and they're trying to like I couldn't tell if they're trying to make it sexy. Like what? Like all we don't need to see them have sex. I'm not saying it because it was I, I was like offended. It just literally there is no point in showing them having sex. There was well, like a lot of backside boob. Yeah. Scene. And also the music doesn't really because normally when you're watching movies like this the music gives you some clue of to how you're supposed to yeah feel. You, they play can you feel the love tonight and yeah. you're like yeah you're oh, like, oh it. it's meaningful but this, <laughs> i don't i don't even remember what music specifically was going on during the sex scene but it was like up to this point it felt like i was getting ready for them to rob a bank yeah there was a heist movie theme and it may have bleed bled over into the sex scene so it's really like I'm seeing something, but I'm not feeling the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Very confused. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's some huge tonal issues, but also this this is one of those movies where it seems like there was no way to film this correctly. And they just, so they kind of just were like, well, let's all go on a big it's vacation together. It's kind of like they together. made the movie as they got to different places. Apparently there was like a year gap in filming this movie because everybody had prior commitments. Oh, that makes so much sense. Cause it seems like at times they forgot what movie they were making. Like, <laughs> yeah. like fully. Like we, I mean, as we said, we are so early in the movie because of the stuff that comes later that has, Solo connection. All right, let's try to push ahead a little bit more. Um, okay, okay, so so they, so they have sex, and then Warren and then and then the Hawn feels guilty about it and flies home. Warren Beatty feels guilty and takes a separate flight home. <laughs> and then they get home and they have to like hide it from their significant others that they had sex with their best friends. Meanwhile, Diane Keaton's like <clears throat> obsessing over this idea of the spouse should know. When their other spouse is having an affair, so she's constantly bringing this up to and, Warren Beatty. And actually, right right around here is when she gets the phone call from a friend about her husband cheating on her, and she. Okay, so what happens is Warren Beatty shows up at Goldie Hawn's house after getting back, and is like, "Hey, we got to talk about this. This shouldn't have happened." They instantly start fucking again. And there's like a shot where it's like his pants around his ankles. It's like the grossest shot you could choose to like indicate two people fucking. And uh, they're fucking. And Goldie, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Dan Keaton shows up and he runs upstairs and pulls his pants up and zips his pants and hides. And Dan Keaton's like, Mona, I found out that he's cheating on me. And Mona is like nervous at first and then she's like he's cheating on me with some sort of musician and and this like yeah. and this like wave of oh she knows it's not me so she becomes goes over supportive here. friend again mm-hmm. and, then, and then Gary Shandling yeah. shows up in a moving truck <laughs> Uh, in a U-Haul. In a U-Haul, yep. With the appropriate price on the back. Hasn't changed in 20 yeah. years. Um, gets out in a nice uh, pair of khakis. 
and a polo and Fucking some work Chinese. gloves. Yeah. And he to go really get wants his sport his coats. Sport coats. <laughs> yep. I can't believe he had a moving truck just for those sport coats. Listen, yeah, he had like point. a lot of sport coats. And he was like, oh, I can't believe people saw me driving a van. But he was getting, yeah, good point. He's getting sports coats. He could have shown up in a luxury vehicle and grabbed them. I and had... also he had work gloves on, <laughs> yeah, too. <laughs> so then there's this elaborate, like, oh, he's going to go upstairs to get the sport coats. Oh, but Warm Baby's hiding up there, so you can't go up there. And, and Goldie you know, is doing her best to pull herself through this scene, which is really just her kind of running around and, like, shrieking a little bit. This is her Warren Beatty face scene, where it's yeah. like, all she's doing is just like, Bleh. Wait, <sighs> to be fair, this is the scene in First Wives Club where <laughs> they trick Sarah Jessica Parker into thinking that a interior designer is coming to the apartment to look at the apartment. But actually, they're sneaking into the apartment to steal the files from Maury so that they can prove that he's been so, okay. So wait, so does Diane Keaton look at a screenplay and be like, oh, I've done this scene before. Let's do well, it that'll again. that'll be easy. <laughs> that'll be easy. She yeah. has yeah. to be the spouse that's get, that gets cheated on and has the moral so high So the ground. Godfather Part 2 was really an important movie for her yeah. career-wise. Yeah. Wait, okay, I want to say on. this before I forget. At the beginning of the recording, I was thinking about the cellist actress and how she reminded me of someone else. And I finally figured out who she reminded me of. And she reminds me of the woman that Truman is actually in love with. Oh, yeah. Natasha. That's all another actress named Natasha. But oh a totally God. different Natasha. Whoa. I don't remember what her fucking name. Oh, it's Natasha McElhone. They look so similar. Does uh, she also play like an Eastern European? No. Uh, do you remember what we were talking about in Truman Show? The woman, no. the woman who's like Truman. It's a TV show, and her dad shows up and is like, "We're going to Fiji," and then takes her away. Well, anyway, uh, <laughs> that is. I've not seen that movie in but, so. Oh, long. it's so good. I'm Carrie. Uh, just for Carrie's note, the woman Natasha Kinski, who is the cellist, is in a Neil LeBute film. <clears throat> Oh. Uh, did you ever watch Your Friends and Neighbors with no. me? That's the one with Ben Stiller. There's a Ben Stiller, Natasha Kinski, Neil Butte movie. It's pretty good. But anyway, uh, so I wrote down the line, and I don't remember the context. Do you know what cornholing is? Do you guys remember what the context <laughs> oh, so, of that was? So they went to go I went see to go movie. see a movie, and it's Diane Keaton, and it's when she's making the sandwich. It's the oh, sandwich yeah. scene. It's God. after and they get back the from this sandwich. whole sandwich scene. It's and after they get back from the whole thing at Goldie Hawn's house where Warren Beatty's hanging on the window. We didn't mention that, but yeah. he's hanging on a window at some point. So they get back. It's like a too long scene of him doing a goofy window hang. Yeah, very weird slapstickiness. Anyways, yeah. they get back to the penthouse, and he wants to make a sandwich because he's literally always eating in yeah. that kitchen every <laughs> fucking time he comes home. And uh, he's making a sandwich, and Diane Keaton comes in, and she's like, I'm better at the knife than you are. So she's slicing the tomato for the sandwich, and then she makes the sandwich. And he's like, honey, what'd you do today? Oh, I went to go see a movie with the kids, but the kids went to go see another movie with raunchy jokes. They made jokes that I didn't understand, like, what's cornholing? <laughs> and then that was the end of that, cornholing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all there was. Well, and then her movie was like, I saw a movie where this guy cheated on his wife, and so the wife pushed him out the window. Okay, she explained that too long. Yeah. She said, was she, what movie was she explaining? 
it was definitely a fake movie, but yeah, you're right. It was like it was like a movie. She like, pushed her husband out the window and then she nursed him back to health and then she pushed him out the window again and <laughs> killed him and stabbed him and I'm good with the knife and yeah. like <laughs> Okay. I will point out though, we are getting the, this out of order because this scene totally happens before she knows he's cheating on him. No Be- way, yeah, really? Because it's she the whole point is that she's like, Hey, isn't it so oh, funny that right. I don't know oh. but I'm holding the knife you're at my so husband and everything? Right. And he's like, Uh oh, if she finds out oh, that I'm yeah, cheating, she's gonna kill me that happens after he has a lunch with gary shanlin where he sees the cellist yeah and, and fucks her for the second and time fucks her yeah. for the second time yeah. yep all yeah. right so diane keaton does know now that warren b is cheating on her and so he comes back home at some They're point sitting in the, the mona, chairs, the mona and ellie are waiting for him and they uh I just have a few. I have a bunch of lines written from the scene. Just read them. Okay, we so, gotta get to Utah. Yeah. Just so, read them. So she's like, yeah. they confront, they confront him, and he's like, at first says no, but he's like, yeah, I did it. And Diane Keaton says something about like, of course you love a cellist. She's got this big resonating box between her legs, which, but then she also says, this is about you and your big stupid cock, which is a very low line in Diane Keaton's career. I yeah. feel like, like really. Also, this whole scene is having with like Ward Beatty having eight wine glasses <laughs> in his hands. He's like, he's like, he's like, he's like grabbing more wine, wine glasses. <laughs> he's trying yeah. to damn you with a wine. And this, yeah, this, this is also the scene where Diane Keaton calls him a pussy crazed slob, which yep. is a great line. Because um, she says she changed him. From his true nature, which was a pussy crazy slob. So after this happens is when Gary Shandling and and Warren Beatty flee to was it Utah? They go to Sun Valley is the Sun name of the Valley. city. Sun it's Valley. gotta it's be like Maine or something because they drive back. They, that's true, but yeah. it's it's Ooh, somewhere it's somewhere where there's not a plane <laughs> cut scene in between. It's but, a mountain with snow and winter sports like the Olympics. Yeah, that's over. Or maybe that's it's, what in, it is. it's in like upstate New York. Well, either way, like it's it's like summer in New York when they get back, but it is super snowy, and they keep referring to Halloween. It's October thirty. So it's it is so baffling. We definitely missed what state it was in, but they did not help us. It's with the way they portrayed matter. it. But anyway, so they go out there and they... Uh, they go to the cabin from Black Sheep. They go to the cabin from Black Sheep. Gary Shanley and Warren Beatty share a bed and Gary Shanley falls out. At some point... Okay. Uh-huh. So they... Okay, so how does this happen? They go to some sort of like... Is it like a party or just some sort of event? So or some sort uh, of... originally what happens is they go to like a tackle store to yeah. go fishing. And they meet Jenna Elfman, who is hmm. the cashier at... Who knows a lot about Who knows a lot about bait. fishing bait. Um, and, and she's then, like a real jerk to them. She's yeah. like, "You fucking morons! You're not. <laughs> You're using live so, worms with fly fishing. So they get equipped idiot. to go fly fishing, <laughs> it, and we get a, a quick scene from a river runs through it yeah. where they're fly fishing. And then uh, remember back to wow, whatever her name is. Uh, we get the woman. Who... Okay, you, will you really go into detail with this? Because you pointed out something great about this moment that is nuts. <laughs> so they're fly fishing next to. They're a flying ski fishing lift. next to a ski lift. A ski lift. <laughs> because it, it's winter and they're fly fishing, and then this woman who we don't notice right away is on the ski lift and starts talking to Warren Beatty, and then the ski lift stops. <laughs> yeah, right on top. Of right them. where they are, and they look around, and it's what's her name? Eugenie? It's Andy. Eugenie, Andy McDowell's character, and she says, like, hey, she remember me? says, remember me from the flight to Mississippi. <laughs> like, that's the thing that you would say, because that's specific enough 
in the world that you would understand that's yeah. who I am. Yeah. yeah, you're the lady who likes to fuck architects. Yeah, I, I remember. Yeah. I won't forget that face. Um, so they have this conversation where she really basically is. says that she's here um, for some reason, I think, with her family. No, her family lives Family lives there. Lives there. Yeah. Or whatever. It's her hometown. It just so turns out to be her hometown. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Meanwhile, Warren Beatty and Gary Shandling are like falling over on They're top of They're fucking morons in the river, yeah. It's, again, the weird sort of slapstickness of this. And then, as soon as they're done talking, the chairlift starts Continues again. Continues It's so crazy. And then, then she just goes away. <laughs> it so, literally, they, they don't even bother to write in an explanation for why this happened. It I mean, I've been on enough chairlifts that they do stop sometimes. Usually it's when someone falls off. But not when someone's like, oh, uh, chairlift operator, I need to have a conversation. Well, that would happen in this fictional world. Yeah. But so, so after this, Gary Shandling and Warren Beatty go up to like the lodge at this place and they meet up with Eugenie again and Warren Beatty introduces her to Griffin and she's like, oh, Griffin, that's a wonderful name. My first love was named Griffin, but he's dead now. He was in Indonesia, and he got sick, and the people took him back to their wagas. That's what they call their huts. And then they nursed him back to health, and then they cooked him and ate him. I'm, Again, hearing, I'm hearing this for the first oh, time. This, this, oh, happened. this happened. This happened. This happened yeah. for sure. Again, though, the casual racism. That's the movie. second time they reference Indonesia. Yeah, yeah, where it's like Indonesia, you know, the country where people get cooked eaten like what the fuck <laughs> this is 2001 and then, well, and then she sort of like abruptly walks away yeah. no, no. at the end of it what happens is she stops talking and gary shandling or uh warren Beatty tries to probe her about it and she's like i don't want to talk about it it's, it's yeah. very upsetting and so she just walks away yeah, it's like, you brought it up okay but she she uh I hate that shit. she's asked she, uh, oh. warren Beatty gets like into a one-on-one conversation with her and he asks about her family and she says oh yeah my dad uh he skied in the 1952 oslo olympics and he knew ernest hemingway and they went to That's, he was a biathlon even, and that, i know because we just watched the biathlon in the winter olympics and that was the second Second reference to Ernest Hemingway that it happened. Ernest Hemingway. But so they have this conversation. He's like, I would like to meet your parents. Like he again, this is like the total amount of time he's talked to this woman at this and point. And they haven't fucked. They have not no. fucked. Uh they've not even kissed yet. It's been like 30 total minutes. He met her on a plane, other. he met her on a chairlift, he met her in a cafe. I'm going to meet He's your like, parents. Take, yeah. take me home to your parents. <laughs> now, let's get into the scene, because this is the scene we really want to talk yeah. about in this movie. Uh, this is where Mel Brooks took over directing. This is where they clearly got back from their one, their, their nine-month break or whatever, and we're like, all right, what was this movie about? Oh, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> so they take, uh, Andy McDowell takes Warren Beatty back to her parents' mansion, and they're in this, like, very, very, very fancy looking den and there's an old like Abe Vigoda-esque butler in front of a picture of a dog. <laughs> and they make a, a very long comparison yeah. between him and the picture of the dog. But it's like the joke is like, hey look at that guy, he's kind of old and his face droops. Look at it. Look you at get it. the joke he, yet? Hey, <laughs> you see it? 
all right, there's a woman making commotion on the upstairs level. <laughs> and then okay. look at that now. And so this, so they're standing there, and then Charlton Heston walks in, and Charlton Heston is Amy McDowell's dad, and he is so excited to see her and and meet this guy. And then you hear some like noise, and you and they, the camera cuts to a shot of like the upper floor balcony of this room, and you see this woman. You just see her head like rolling along, but she's clearly in a wheelchair. And she's like, what is the mom from? I don't know, but here's another thing. She's wheeling around up there, and then it cuts to her, like, wheeling on the ground floor. How'd she get to the ground floor? Either they have an elevator or a ramp. But it happens so quickly where it's literally, like, she just, like, teleports from the second floor to the first floor. But she rolls in, and she's... Butler didn't do anything to help, by the way. He's standing in the same position the whole time. But she's rolling around, and, uh, and, uh... Uh, the butler's trying to get drinks for people, and Charlton Heston's quoting Mount Kilimanjaro. Uh, I'm surprised. Snows of Kilimanjaro by Ernest Hemingway. With the way they establish his character, I'm surprised there aren't more, like, taxidermied animals inside of, sure. yeah. of, of the mansion yeah. at this point. Because I don't think he has a gun with him at this point, but he definitely makes it clear that Everything about him is shooting. Even well, the yeah. diathlon is, well, I, is, the, the, is shooting. And that's the whole Ernest Hemingway thing, too, is Ernest mm-hmm. Hemingway loved killing stuff yeah but so it's mostly a normal scene kind of weird but then the mom the wheelchair mom is starts saying stuff like, <laughs> like mom. this wheelchair. might be her first time using the wheelchair <laughs> yeah does she have a she, i don't know if she had a name she, i wrote down every character's name i could i got jenna elfman's character's name but i did not get this mom's character name so she is wheelchair mom <laughs> for all intents and purposes but she starts saying stuff like like, oh, honey, why don't you mix my drink with your big swinging dick? <laughs> and stuff like that. Like, give me meanwhile, my... Fu- meanwhile, her wheelchair is malfunctioning. Yeah, and she's like, it's like, it's so crazy. Like, it's not like she's like, oh, I'm trying to just be normal. It's like she's, like, having a seizure just with her wheelchair while she's being, like... <laughs> but having a Running fair, into furniture. But speaking clearly. She is, like, a poised, rich woman. And it's not like, oh, the wheelchair's malfunctioning. She's just, like, crazy. Crazily rolling around and crashing into stuff and saying things like, Bring me my drink, you muff diver. <laughs> it's like every line of her every line of hers is the most crass line in the movie, and her character seems to have no other function than to say, like, it's, you fucking bitch, and to crash into shit with her kind wheelchair. Of like she is Charlton Heston in a wheelchair yelling at Charlton Heston. Yeah. Well it's and it's it's weird because I I hate to put it in this context, but it's easily the best thing in the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is so clearly yeah. the highlight. It is so funny. It's so weird. It has this energy to it that the rest of the movie doesn't. It is just like, it's so crazy. But, uh, so, it just, that scene just kind of ends <laughs> very soon after that. She's knocked in, over every antique. And again, it was like, I don't know why he decided to stay the night, but he's like, oh, he's gonna stay the night, and they give him a separate bedroom. And the bedroom is filled with stuffed animals. It's like her childhood bedroom. It's her childhood God, bedroom. What a weird fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> so she like he he clearly takes all he takes all the stuffed animals they, off the bed. Why does, do does this, this even happen? They do this big bit about like this stuffed animal's name is Floppy and this yeah, one's Fluffy. And, it, and, and Eugenia comes into the room oh. to like basically to sneak in there to fuck him to fuck Warren Beatty, not the stuffed animals. But she sees the stuffed animals oh, are on the sure. they're on the ground and she has this like weird like childlike 
thing. They can't be on the ground. They can't be on the ground. This one goes with this one, and this one goes with this one. And up to this point, this character has literally been like, I'm a lady who likes to fuck older white guys. Like that's Architects. Her, architects. Architects. That's like her whole character, and then all of a sudden it's like, but I'm actually a child. I'm actually like a stuffed animal-obsessed little kid. And she gets in the bed with him, and so she's doing this, and then... Her, her dad, Jarlton Heston, comes into the room and sees because they, they're trying to. Okay, Andy McDowell and Warren Beatty are having like they're doing like mock sex with the stuffed animal. Yeah, but they're it's making doing mock sex loud noises, which draws sex noises. The Charlton Heston they're not even, into the room. They're not even making the stuffed animals have sex though. They're like, oh, this one feels. No, this they one. were. Oh, they were. I missed. Yeah. I missed that. It was like, Ooh. Yeah. but they're making sex noises. And Charlton Heston comes in and and he's like, what's going on in here? And Warren Beatty is like, oh, we're just. Uh, playing with the stuffed animal with the floppy and he and, goes i know all about playing with floppy yeah which <laughs> again is a legitimate line that charlton heston <laughs> nra sponsor Info- and season actor so much gravitas says. into but then he um he comes in and he's like he say, he sits down kind of on the edge of the bed and is like he says to Warren Beatty, like, listen, you're my daughter's prince, and she's a princess, and every prince has to slay a dragon to get to the princess, and, uh... I'm the dragon! I'm the dragon, and you, Button, to Andy McDowell, he says, and you, Button, are my boodily boo <laughs> <laughs> And, uh... I, again, I don't really remember how the scene ends. She but. says, like, thanks, Dad. Thanks, and then Dad. they and then go to leaves. bed. Yeah. Oh, no, he's... and then he does, like, a growl. He does oh, a dragon yeah, the growl. Oh, the panther growl. Yeah. Oh, he man. growls, and he leaves the room, and then Andy McDowell is like, hey, so, Warren Baby, you want to fuck me now? And he's like, no, I'm just really sleepy. I, like, I'm really tired. And so they, she's like, oh, well, let's cuddle, and they go to sleep, but it cuts to him just like laying wide awake in bed and he And then he out. drives his fucking Land Rover yeah. out he of there. Bails. <laughs> so it's back with him and Gary Shandling in the cabin and Gary Shandling's like, come on, just because you had one weird experience with a woman doesn't mean we don't have to go out and have fun. My god, there's so much left. Oh my god. So <laughs> I know. Can we just like skip over? No, anything? we gotta go over Jenna Elfman stuff. Because uh, Halloween party and the scene from Bowling for Columbine. Yeah, we have basically three more key parts we gotta get through. So Oh wait, so, can I summarize it? Sure. Jenna Elfman takes them to a Halloween party. But wait, no, you have to describe the costumes. She's dressed like Marilyn Monroe. Gary Shandling is dressed like Elvis. And Warren Beatty is dressed like a polar Jenna bear. Elfman provides them these costumes. She shows up at the cabin, right? She just, like, shows up at the cabin and is like, we're going to that party, right? That you, the Halloween, okay, it's also Halloween. It Pops like, a bottle of champagne in the same way that was popped. Yes, earlier with so Gary she's, Shandling. She she knows she's gonna get fucked. Um, and <laughs> Y'all know she, it. they they go to a party, and the party is I, I I don't really understand the party. I don't know like they they refer to it like they set this party up, but they did not set it up. There's a woman dressed as a spider. There's an extra who has like full Frankenstein makeup in the background. It's like really easy to not notice this, but this guy had like makeup done to look like Frankenstein, and he's just casual in the background of this party but somehow it ends up where Jenna Elfman's character Auburn and Warren Beatty's character go back to the cabin to fuck each other and they, they're in the... There's this big bit about, like, oh, where's the, does the polar bear suit have a hole where the dick yeah, is? Yeah, she's, like, about to 69 him. Wait, wait, the... wait! And then Warren Beatty's kids walk out of the woods and <laughs> catch them! <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> they, like, come, they're like, oh, man, we gotta, like, set Dad straight and get back with Mom. I'm gonna fly to Sun Valley and surprise them. Yeah. And then they show up when they're, like, 69ing in the front yard. 
and they're they, traumatized they and then walk back into the woods. Yeah, they immediately peace out. <laughs> hey, here's like, a question. Here's a question. Do they ever appear again in the movie? Yeah, at the yeah, gala. They're at the gala. Oh, gala in the very end? Okay, I, I didn't remember. I You're going to think I forget about Josh Hartnett in a tuxedo? <laughs> Looking so, good? <laughs> so, essentially, very soon after, I think it's like the next day, uh, Gary Shanley and Warren Beatty are like, fuck this place. Let's go back. We got to go back to oh New York and resolve this. So, they pull out of the Last Chance Ranch, the cabin they're staying at. Last Chance Ranch. Now, immediately... Immediately after that, uh, this Hummer drives in, dr- like, knocks down the gate, and it's Charlton Heston, and hilariously, the wheelchair is in the back of the, of the Hummer, <laughs> and so the wife is there, and Annie McDowell's there, and Annie McDowell's like, Dad, I don't really care, like, I don't care about this, so why do you guys care? But he's like, no one just leaves my, my daughter. Bippity boop. My bippity-boop. Yeah, my boodily-boop. <laughs> and so he gets out with a shotgun, and I... I'll admit, listener, I watched Bowling for Columbine so many times, I instantly recognized the cl- this clip of Charlton Heston in the scene was later repurposed, uh, but Charlton Heston has his shotgun, and he sees the polar bear costume sitting on a log and he shoots it in the head and in Bowling for Columbine they remove the polar bear part and replace it with Michael Moore also having a gun and he like shoots back at uh at Charlton Heston but um so that, after that scene it just kind of cuts back to New York and is this is the gala where Dank design gala it's a design gala and I, I don't was there any setup to what this there was? There was one thing, and it was in the first 15 minutes of the movie where she is asking about the swatches, about the swatches that she should submit for the design gala that she's going to be going to. Oh, that was it? Oh that, my was God. it. that was <laughs> she it. She won an award. Thing that, well, well, again, going back to how well off these people are, is she's submitting these swatches for a gala that she's assuming she's going to win and okay. she's like going to be a part of. Whatever. Yeah. She goes to the gala and then her kid spills red wine over her white pantsuit. Okay? Kid, yeah, because though? wearing a white pantsuit at a dinner party is a great idea. Well, she, and she then her and baby. Goldie Hawn go into the bathroom and try to get the red wine a stain out and who else enters the bathroom but everyone else that Warren Beatty had any type of romantic <laughs> yes, connection yeah. with the cellist and then Andy Warhol and then Jenna Elton. wait did we even Warhol. talk about sorry the, 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 <laughs> Andy, 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 Andy Warhol Andy Warhol wait, was not in this movie was did, did we even talk about that the cellist is pregnant no <laughs> ah! yeah so Warren Beatty gets back and the first thing that happens is he's like gonna go and tell the cellist that he yeah, I'm done. Wife. I love my wife. And she's like, that's my great wife. news. But guess what? I'm pregnant. And then vitamin C from Blood Diner <laughs> is making some weird faces in the God, background. you were fucking itching oh, to make come that on, joke. I had to. <laughs> it was, again, there were some pretty good, like, bit part extras yeah. and actors well, in we, this movie. We're, since we're talking about the gala, what about fat guy with an African hat from the gala? Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's God. wearing, like, the... You know that... Okay, listener, if you remember coming to Africa, you know the hats that the, the people... Coming to America? Coming... Oh, my God. Did you say coming to Africa? Coming to Africa. That was the sequel that they never made. At a point. In Coming to America, when they're doing the scenes in the opening, they have those, like flat top circular hats this white guy this like white guy with like a bullfrog neck is inexplicably always wearing this like african hat i think he may have been like i think he showed up one other time maybe like as her assistant 
something like that. I thought he didn't he show up at the scene where Gary Shanley and Warren Beatty are meeting and they see the chalice. I oh my god, guys, scene. doesn't matter. That yeah. guy had no lines. Well, I'm just saying he, <laughs> he was extra. He was a weird extra. He was a that guy we had seen before. And also, I do want to mention quickly at the gala, there is someone wearing a hat that is the Guggenheim. Just there are casual, several people yeah. wearing those type of weird architectural hats. Just throw away stuff. Yeah. Like again, they were like, we need to spend money on a hat that looks like the Guggenheim <laughs> so that someone can walk through the background of a shot. So this shit. They're in the bathroom. With okay, all of the and lovers. every one of Warren Beatty's love interests has a different, like, anecdote for getting red wine out of the suit. Oh, it'll be hairspray. Oh, it'll be white wine. So, Jenna Elfman's there. Fucking Architect is there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the cellist is there. Yeah. And then Goldie Hawn's there, who yeah. we really fucked to. And then there's also the bathroom attendant yeah. who has no lines she and is just no listening lines. to everything. Uh, Poor lady. She looks like Alice. From she Brady gets a few reaction shots, but she doesn't really make them. Oh, and <laughs> make them and count. And then the daughter shows up and she's like, "Mom, we gotta go. You're getting your award now." Who was the woman giving the award? It was okay. So when they go to the actual award ceremony, there is a bald man who's at the podium, and then next to the podium is Holland Taylor, who we referenced Truman Show already. She's Truman's mom in Truman Show in a movie she has so like this Truman Show came out like what three years before this and she had so many lines in it she actually has a part and in this she has like maybe one maybe 30 seconds of screen time I think it's like are you coming to the stage? That's literally yeah. all she and, said. And, and she's the mom on Two and a Half Men. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Holland oh, Taylor yeah. also, uh, is she married to Sarah Paulson? They're, or just, they're, just, they're just together, dating? yeah. But still, it's like, it's very weird to see a person who is like, I, this movie has like a lot of famous people in it and have like a person who is also relatively famous in just like a totally pointless throwaway role. Like, it really seemed, it, it was really bizarre. But so... How does this play out? How does this gala ending She play gets out? the award, and then I don't really remember Warren what Warren Beatty somehow, <laughs> but, like, like... Warren Beatty gets the award for her? He, like, sneaks backstage and grabs the award from the person who's gonna get it and gets on, on stage, <laughs> and Diane Keaton walks out, and this is the Three to Tango thing coming back, because Three to Tango also ends with, like, a big gala scene and the man and the woman arguing on the staircase outside of the gala. It God, was... I'm gonna be honest. I gave up on this movie at this point. That's I fair. don't but really remember there what is happens. one really good thing that happens, and that is Mr. Charlton Heston shows up again yeah. with his shotgun oh, also, at do the you New remember, York gala. Do you remember yeah. what Fuck the Architect said in the bathroom? She said... Me and my fiance are gonna elope oh, today yeah. or something. She is like, like she's a she's psychopath. Yeah. She thinks that Warren Beatty is There's her so fiance. many scenes that seem yeah. like they got cut out. Also, it's worth mentioning to Gary Shandling. Uh, he's like, he gets kicked. Oh, he's yeah. about to get kicked out of the gala, yeah. and he's like, "I'm gay, Mona. I'm actually gay." Oh, and then yeah. gets everyone kicked claps out, and everyone applauds, including the Japanese clients <laughs> yeah. that showed up earlier. Which they they had no value. And it's, I, I want to tie this back into Three to Tango because Three to Tango's gala is gives Matthew Perry the award for like best gay guy or whatever, <laughs> and he's like, "I'm not actually gay. I'm coming out as a straight man." And everyone applauds him for being straight. At the gay <laughs> and then he goes outside and like not outside, but like in the main lobby and on the staircase has an argument with the woman he loves. And in this movie, uh, Warren Beatty goes out to the staircase and has an argument with the woman he loves, Diane Keaton, and. 
and how do we get from this point they get to the angry end? They, they get and then they go to the no then they go to the lawyer and then it's like oh they're getting a divorce they're splitting up all their stuff but then he he talks about the copy of tender is the night by Ascot. they're like going through all their things and he's like oh this house I've is going to be yours I've read that book it's I've heard parts of it I it's I don't actually know anything about it is it a good book it's all right. <laughs> is it a good F. Scott Fitzgerald book? Is it another lawyer, book about his wife Zelda? And I, I like it more than Great Gatsby. It's the mi- lawyer says he prefers Great Gatsby. Yeah. So yeah. I don't it's minor Fitzgerald. I read Tender is the Night <laughs> in my sex, gender, and sexuality class. But so they're they Ooh, the, they're going in this divorce hearing or not hearing but like they're just in an office talking to a divorce attorney but he's like all right who's gonna get this house who's gonna get this canoe and he's like all right we have one last item a single copy of a book <laughs> <laughs> it's very weird but it's like he's like it's because it's a first edition and she's like I don't remember what that is and Warren Bay's like you don't remember I, I read re- it to you when you had pneumonia yeah and he stands up and he's like they're so and she, they're all getting emotional and that somehow is the thing that is like. We need to try to work this out. And, and they do talk about splitting up the children who are clearly no longer minors. Yeah, to be split up anymore yeah. too. They're old enough for the movie. It was like, let's have them fuck. Yeah, <laughs> but they're also under their parents' control. Yeah, yeah. So the whole thing. This movie we kind of hinted is a mess. How does this end exactly? <laughs> like, what is the way? Well, okay, no. And yeah. then uh, Goldie oh, Hawn and Gary Griffin. Shepard. Yeah. They, uh, she meets him at his antique store because he's gay and he owns antique yeah. shop yeah. and they kind of like make up and, you know, she accepts him for who he is and then they hug and then that little bit is wrapped up. Yeah. I don't really remember what happens with, so, uh... With the other one, so I, I think what happens is it's implied that they are going to kind of try and work things out. So they go to the other location, which is their house in the Hamptons, I guess, or something like that, where Warren Beatty is fixing a weather vane that he had had throughout the whole movie battle with throughout the entirety of the movie that I guess is supposed to like symbolize the direction in his life or something. He had a rooster on it, so I assumed it was like his cock. Like his cock is finally pointing towards home, I guess. Something (laughs) like that. It's it's symbolic of something, but he fixes it. It's straight. And that's where the movie ends. So the assumption is that, <laughs> hey, you just wasted two yeah, hours of your yeah. life. <laughs> wait, wait. Remember when those dogs attacked the housekeeper? <laughs> it's like this grandma oh, housekeeper. The dogs attacked her. And then we get a nice grandma upskirt I, I really, shot going on. I really felt like most <clears throat> of the movie was like, shots of other movies that they put together into one movie yeah i also do want to mention because we mentioned you just mentioned the dogs uh your dog scully was very upset by this movie (laughs) listen she didn't like the dogs she didn't like the polar bear costume after a certain point she was just barking it was like oh i don't like the scene like it was (laughs) like the divorce attorney (laughs) no 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 no. (laughs) get out of here (laughs) she's got she's got a lot of opinions she's got good taste in movies usually yeah she does she has good taste all right, listen, we wrapped up the movie. All right, so now it's time, time to get into teachable moments, I think. Uh, yeah, what teachable would, moments, what would we... we're gonna teach. All right, so I guess I'll start with the teacher. No, moment. I think we should start with the teacher. Yeah, teach the old teacher. The old, the, the former old teach. teacher. What would somebody learn from this if they were forced, if they were, if, 
if American forces went to Iraq and kidnapped somebody into extraordinary conditions and forced be Iraq? them forced them to watch this movie. Pre-9-11. What, what did they... Pre-9-11. Gulf War? It's like, we're going to turn Iraq into this. Now tell me. Tell me what is a teachable oh, lesson. Yeah. What is the terrorist learn from watching this movie, Justin? I think I... Man, uh, I mean... It's pre-9-11, yeah. so I think it's pretty logical what the <laughs> lesson for a terrorist would be. <laughs> this uh, needs to be destroyed. Yeah. I'm going to start with the city in this movie. It's the first place we're going to attack. I think I think my digital moment is rich old white people be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and it hasn't changed. That's pretty good. I think, but if you're thinking like, hey, filmmaker, you're going to make a movie, and you've seen this movie... And you said, hey, I think I can do better. I think the reference point is maybe just see the whole thing through in a in a timeline that makes sense for you. So you don't, like, come back to a movie a year later and finish it yeah. after, like, your actors have clearly aged and they don't want to be a part of this anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or anything like that. But also, like, this movie seemed like it was not made for any reason other than, hey... People who know these actors will go see a movie with these people in it. So I bet we can get their money. Cash grab. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it almost seems like it was made, like I, I, we said before, kind of jokingly, that like Warren Beatty wanted to be in The Graduate and didn't get his chance. But that seems like a more logical justification for this movie being yeah, made than literally anything really else. he really wanted to work with that guy. Yeah. yeah. And he waited... 30 plus years to do it. That guy had to have some level of clout because he physically was in the movie. Yeah. You know, and, and that's that's where, like, I, I, I would love to know if there was, like, a, a downhill trend from The Graduate to this. Or maybe it was sort of like a Harper Lee situation where they were waiting for the sequel <laughs> for do, the do, entirety of their lives. Do people know when they're making a movie that it's going to be bad? I mean, sometimes... But I feel like this movie. Well, we just watched the Snowman. <laughs> yeah. Even... yeah, they knew during that it was going to be good. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. This this I feel like this movie feels like a movie that it didn't really matter to anybody who worked on it whether or not it was good. But at the same time, they assumed the money was going to come in from it because it had all these famous people in it. I guess my teachable moment is really remember that you have to make a movie for somebody <laughs> like this movie is so i can't imagine how even if alienating... you're trying to make money off of it right there yeah. has to be a market for it this movie is super alienating now like watching it we're like fuck these rich white people i can't believe how racist they are i don't sympathize with them but like oh i can't stop getting my dick wet <laughs> poor me <laughs> like that seems to be the main problem are women be crazy and uh it's like so like <laughs> but it was it was even alienating then when it came out. Like yeah. and nobody saw this movie. This movie has a thirteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Seventeen well, years ago. Yeah. Well, and the the guy who made this movie the same year that this came out, he also released Serendipity, and that movie is trash. Yeah. But still, way better. John Corbett. And people way, love that. Yeah. Way Some better. people love John, Serendipity. John Corbett. Plays the oboe in that movie. I mean, you can't beat that. Is that the Kate Beckinsale yep. movie? Yeah. With John I'm gonna, say, I'm gonna say it's as good as this Kate movie. Kate Beckinsale no, and Josh Hartnett. Way Harden. better. No. Nope. Absolutely bet. not. Wait. This <laughs> no. serendipity is way better than this no movie. No way. What's your teachable moment? Um, 
Man, I feel like I had one five minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) My question while you guys were talking is I kept remembering how much this movie cost. Where did all that money go? The sets. It didn't look expensive. Like, the sets were. It's it looked like a furnace. It was all those locations. Yeah, it was locations, and it seemed like they didn't build those houses or anything. It seemed like they were like, I know somebody who will let me pay them $2 million to film in their <laughs> house for a day. Would this, yeah, I mean, Jesus. would this have been at a point where Goldie Hawn would have taken in a lot of money, where... This is really taken in a lot of money. This is like I want to say a year or two before Goldie Hawn more or less retired from acting up until the Amy Schumer movie because she did after this she did Banger Sisters and then she did not do a movie for like over a decade after that Mm -hmm. and so this (laughs) just it really Warren Beatty's next famous appearance after this was uh, screwing up at the Oscars yeah (laughs) yeah and Gary Shandling's uh, most famous appearance after this was his funeral and. Diane Keaton got an Oscar nomination after this movie for Something's Gotta Give. So Diane Keaton is the most successful person from this movie. She was nominated for that movie? She was nominated for Best Actress for Something's Gotta Give. Which we also said... Is very similar to this movie. So yeah. similar, just but old way just better. Doing it's well, like bad. Let's, let's remember. Let's remember who the Academy is. It is old, old white, white people. people. Yeah, this is right up their alley. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't give this best picture. <laughs> frankly, yeah, they probably watched this movie thinking, "LOL." Oh, <laughs> I can totally pre-LOL. All those old whiteies love this shit. <laughs> Pre-LOL. 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 It's pre-9/11 and pre-LOL. Yeah. <laughs> no one was laughing out loud. Before that. <laughs> I like that LOL is post 9 11. so much of You have to lives. laugh out loud to cover up the crying. <laughs> yeah. Never forget. From, from missing that GameWorks day. <laughs> oh. What a note to end Bring it All right. full well, circle. This been... Listen, this was great. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you guys had fun, we but we had it. a great time. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah, I think we uh We town and country. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Chrysler, town and country. There it there is. There it is. Yeah. Uh, we, neither yeah. of us work for Chrysler. <laughs> Alright, well yes. well this has been the Secret Cinema. I'm Paolo. I'm Carrie. I'm Justin. I'm Sarah. Thanks for joining us again, yeah, Justin, thanks. and for the first time, Sarah. Thanks. Sorry I was screaming in your mic for so long. I screamed away more. I, I, le- I lent, leaned in for half my things I yelled. But uh, I will lean in just like Sean Sandberg. <laughs> oh. All right. Uh, bye. 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 <laughs> oh, no one's talk with by myself. No one to walk with, I'm happy on the shelf. Miss Raven, save my love. Oh, the No for Satan, the one I love. The food flooding you, then I'm thinking of. Miss Raven, save love. But I love that. Like Jack Horner, in the corner. Don't go nowhere, and I don't care. All your kisses, I waited, waiting for. Believe me, I don't stay out late, don't get a go. I'm about eight, be in the radio. I take it from me, from me, young. Secret Cinema is produced and edited by Paolo Corona. All theme songs and original music are written and performed by Ricardo Ortiz. 
additional music or samples are taken from the film featured on this week's episode. All logos and artwork are created by Carrie Chan. You can follow Carrie on Instagram at CarrieSawThis and see more of her artwork at www.carriechafee.com. You can watch Paolo's short films at www.vimeo.com slash or read more of his ramblings about film at www.letterbox.com slash Follow The Secret Cinema on Instagram at Secret Cinema Podcast, on Twitter at Covert Celluloid, or like us on Facebook. The Secret Cinema is a commentary and criticism podcast, and its use of film dialogue and film music for illustrative purposes falls under the fair use provisions of U.S. copyright law. The Secret Cinema is a product of Larry Leahy Productions. All rights reserved. Thanks for listening.